And it is 416 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Quite pleased to have in the studio with us today, Vanessa Smith. She is a physician's assistant with uh, with the Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine, yep. um, which means you work where, Vanessa? I work at Sanford in the Vandermark Building in Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and Hand Surgery. Right on the right on the big campus yes. there on 18th yep. Street. Correct. It's got the uh, statue of the Vandermarks out front, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Got it. I've been yes. there. That's yeah. a cool place, actually, because that's that's where they used to do all the torture testing uh, on the. Uh, on me, oh, other human beings, not not animals, okay. not that sort of thing. They had they got the sweat box there, and they see what you're, how far they you can, they crank it up to like 105. And I'm not sure if they do that there still. No, but I think they be. moved it. Yeah. I think they moved it. Yeah. Just a little side note. Yes. So Vanessa, you're not here to talk about that. You're here because you are involved with an interesting clinical trial involving um, carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. Yes. Now. Tell us the relationship here. Why why carpal tunnel car, carpal tunnel surgery for this clinical? The study? the thought was this, and we're part of a multi site uh, trial that is double blind placebo um, randomized trial. That uh, the PI for the project is out of Canada, but there are three sites in the U.S. and Carpal tunnel surgery is the most common hand surgery that's performed. So the thought was to be able to get a large volume of participants to gain information and data about the use of pain medicine after surgery. So this uh, ties right in with everything that we've been talking about in terms of the opioid epidemic, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so what is your role here? Why? What do you do in terms of this clinical trial? Sure. So I work with Dr. Robert Vandemark and He uh, was the one that had connected with the PI in in Canada, Dr. Lalonde, and got the connection and started to work with Sanford's IRB, which is their research department, to get this um, rolling so that we could be a site for the study. And so in working with Dr. Vandemark, he has an idea of the big picture, and I think about a lot of the details and logistics and how to make things work with our clinical staff, both clerical and nursing staff, and then all the education that needs to be rolled out to our large clinic in order to make this study uh, possible and run smoothly. So, And then I also work with the research coordinators throughout the study, signing things, communicating about patients, that sort of thing. So you've got, you're, you're, you're part of this trial with, this is FDA approved, right? That's why it's a big deal to get. Yes. And there's only three sites. Yes. Um, how many people are going to be involved in the entire thing when it's all said and done? I know our goal here in Sioux Falls is to get 50 people enrolled in the study. Currently, I know that over 200 have already participated in the study at the other sites. So I think there will be quite a large group of data once it's all done. And what are you measuring? What exactly are you looking at? Yep. So there are two arms or branches of the the study. One is um, that the patient will get hydrocodone and acetaminophen. And the other is that the patient would get ibuprofen and acetaminophen. And so the patient wouldn't know which one they are getting, and neither would we, but all of these medications have been proven individually to be effective for pain relief. But there has not been good research done to compare them one to the other. Yeah, so hydrocodone, obviously, is the opiate. opiate. And uh, that's a synthetic drug that uh, we have now found, while it is incredibly good at treating pain, it also is one of the family of, of synthetic drugs that can be 
fairly addictive. Highly addictive, yeah. yes. Yep. Where does hydrocodone fall in the, the sort of uh, uh, continuum of, of power when it comes to sure. opioids? It's not the strongest, but yeah. it's much, much stronger than anything over the counter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So getting 50 people that have that are going to have carpal tunnel surgery mm-hmm. and that want to participate in this, mm-hmm. uh, how hard is that to find those people? So we have, we've been actively enrolling for almost a month now, and we have about three people in the study and a number of people that we have talked to or looked at potentially to be in the study, but for one reason or another, they're, they meet an exclusion criteria, mm-hmm. meaning um, we're wanting to focus in on just this surgery mm-hmm. and how people do with the pain after surgery. So if somebody has chronic pain. Yeah, bad back or whatever Yeah, it is. or it takes a leave or ibuprofen chronically, mm-hmm. uh, we they're not allowed. That's kind of an exclusion thing. If um, Man, that's hard because there's a lot of people who are taking... Yeah. a leave or uh, Advil or whatever it is, chronic. I mean, they right. take, people take it all the time, like candy. Right. Yeah. So that's stupid, right? So we have done lots of- Just a minute. Okay. That, I just want to, that's not a good idea to take that stuff every day if it's just day in, day out pain, right? I mean, right. soreness. No, the, the idea with anti-inflammatories is you're going to take the smallest dose for the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. So we often talk to people with their arthritis, taking it when the pain flares and then stopping it when- when uh, the pain gets better. Mm-hmm. If it becomes a chronic thing, then we you really recommended to work with your internal medicine or family practice doctor mm-hmm. to manage those medicines with your other medications because there can be yeah. interactions or right. adverse effects long-term. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Vanessa Smith. She's a physician's assistant in the Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine Institute over there at uh, Sanford campus. And we're talking about carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. Um, so, Let's, let's talk about carpal tunnel for just a second. This mm-hmm. is something that you spend a lot of time working on. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, we all, we've heard about carpal tunnel forever, you know, yes. and a lot of us who grew up typing mm-hmm. on, in the computer generation, uh, all think we're going to end up crippled up with carpal tunnel. Yeah. What is it? First of all, what is carpal tunnel syndrome? So the carpal tunnel is an anatomic location in your wrist. Mm -hmm. The floor of the tunnel are bones. The roof of the tunnel is a ligament. And then what travels through the tunnel are the tendons that flex your fingers and Mm -hmm. the median nerve. And that median nerve gives sensation to half of the hand and gives strength to some of the muscles in the hand. Mm -hmm. When there is more pressure in that tunnel, that nerve gets pinched. Mm-hmm. And that's painful, causes numbness, tingling, burning, sometimes just in the hand, sometimes all the way up to the shoulder, uh, and can be quite painful at night, waking you from sleep, or really bothersome, like with driving or talking on the phone during the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do I know, okay, like I said, uh, we work in a, in a computer culture, right? Mm-hmm. All while sitting at a desk. How do I know when I am a candidate for carpal tunnel Versus I just need to change my posture a little bit or I need to move sure. around or I need to do more exercises. Yeah. What's, what's the indicator there? Well, I think that the, that's a good point is that a lot of us have lost the good posture and form for things. So the first thing to correct would definitely be ergonomics. How are you sitting at your desk? How are your arms positioned and your back and, and your whole posture overall? That would definitely be an easy fix. But if symptoms persist and they don't seem to get better after you've changed some of those simple things, mm-hmm. then to be evaluated is very very reasonable. Sometimes other nerves can be pinched in the arm or up in the neck that can also cause these symptoms. Mm-hmm. 
But a lot of research has been done regarding carpal tunnel syndrome and computer use. And it used to be thought that all secretaries get carpal tunnel syndrome, and that's not the case, that there's actually greater incidence in the general population of carpal tunnel syndrome than there is in people with desk jobs. Yeah, like anything that's repetitive, right? Yep. Factory jobs, yep. anything like that. But also stay-at-home moms and people wow. who work in the kitchen at a restaurant. And, uh, you know, it kind of it really runs the gamut. There's more genetics that probably play a role. We often find people say, yeah, my mom had surgery or my sister mm-hmm. had carpal tunnel surgery. Because maybe your genetic structure at some level means you just have a smaller hole for right. the nerves to go through right. or what have you. Yes. Yep. That's very interesting. And so the surgery, as I understand it, is, you know, they basically just open that up and cut that little piece of ligament at the top, right? Kind of, yep. The incision is a, uh, several centimeters that's actually at the base of your palm. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go down and it usually, um, most very commonly these days, we're doing it under local anesthesia, just meaning oh, really? we numb up the hand and you're wide awake for surgery. I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, there's a, a sheet up or a, good, good. Uh, that you can't see what's going on. Um, but then what's nice is you don't you can eat your breakfast that morning. You can take your morning oh, yeah. meds. Uh, you know, but for some people it's not appropriate. And then we do, do have sedation available if mm-hmm. that's, if that's needed. But for the most part, people do very well with the local anesthesia and then, um, can have no effects from IV sedation and, and do quite well. So yeah, then. Then you go, go down and you cut the ligament. That's yeah. the roof of the tunnel. Do they just, do you just cut it in half or do you, they take it all out? Right. We're going to, if you can imagine, um, a wide flat rope. And we cut along the width of it. Got so it, it. it kind of opens up, it. Yeah. it yeah. But it can grow back together, right? It does, but it's just a much larger space. Okay. So there's more room for the nerve. I have a lot of, I'm very curious about yes, this. Yes, I, I noticed that. I don't, I don't <laughs> want this. All right. I just, <laughs> so, I'm trying yeah. to stay away from the surgery. Okay. Um, we're going to come right back after the news with Mr. Dan Peters and ABC News Nationally. And we're going to talk more about your wrists and your pain and how we can control it. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And we continue our discussion with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant at Sanford Sports in Orthopedic Medicine. Uh, Vanessa got her BA in athletic training at Bethel University in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, after that, she worked in orthopedic and sports medicine. uh, And uh, at a post-graduation, she pursued her master's in physician assistant studies at Rosalind Franklin University in North Chicago, Illinois. Vanessa, that sounds uh, that sounds like a kind of a <laughs> cool place to hang out, right? Yes, yes. So you have a master's degree in physician assistanting studies. Studies, yep. yes. Yep. And yep. so, how did you how did you end up at Sanford? You were you got your master's there in in Chicago, and you said I'm going to go to Sanford, right? Not no. <laughs> quite. Nope. Yep. So after school, I was interested in getting into orthopedics and was able to land a job with a surgeon, an orthopedic hand surgeon in St. Paul at uh, Level 1 Trauma Center there and learned a lot about hand surgery and about patient care and being a professional. And uh, I had a mountain of student loan debt that I needed to tackle and we weren't getting anywhere in St. Paul. So we decided to move home, move into mom and dad's basement for a while and start tackling the debt. So you're from Sioux Falls. From Sioux Falls. Yeah. Yep. Where'd you go to high school? Washington. And uh, how did oh, you, boy. how did you ever end up at Bethel? Bethel's a fine university up in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities. How did you pick Bethel? I had a few friends that went there and my church was a part of their conference and, and loved the campus. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's a small private school, but it is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
that aside, what do you do as a uh, physician assistant in the operating room? Because you're right there in the operating room, right? Well, so my initial job uh, in St. Paul, I was in the operating room with the surgeon. We would kind of work one-on-one or kind of work as a team to get things done. I have a unique role at Sanford here because there is a surgical tech that works with Dr. Vandermark, and she goes to the operating room with him. So then while they're in surgery, I am uh, holding clinic, talking to patients, seeing new patients, seeing uh, rechecks or post-op visits, and kind of being a person on the on the clinic side and, and can get a hold of Dr. Vandermark if needed to consult on x-rays or something like that. Yeah, so, so. you're really helping patients kind of understand what's what's going to happen, right? I mean, you're walking yes. them through the process. Yep. To some a lot degree. of patient education. Wow. Yes. Um, and we, as we mentioned in the previous segment, you deal a lot with carpal tunnel, carpal tunnel surgery, and you're working on a clinical trial uh, regarding opioids and, and how to, uh, how to use opioids in conjunction with other pain relievers to find some sort of sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, if people want to be part of your clinical trial, mm-hmm. can they contact you or do they have to go through? I mean, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, they should, they can call our clinic, uh, which is 605-328-2663 and ask about information for the, the research that we're doing for the opioid study. They'll be directed to our research um, coordinators and, and they'll be able to get more details there. If they're interested in finding out if they have carpal tunnel syndrome, mm-hmm. definitely that same phone number to call and make an appointment with one of our hand surgeons. So- uh, do you have, this is a bit of an aside on carpal tunnel again, because I'm so interested in it, but are there ways to mitigate it that, that are short of surgery? I mean, what, what can you do short of surgery to try and, uh, reduce the effects of carpal tunnel and the, the inflammation in there and the pain? Sure. Uh, what processes are there available to folks? There are some therapy or stretching exercises that can often be helpful, a lot of people have uh, pretty good relief, though temporary, uh, with massage or acupuncture. We hear about people even visiting chiropractors, different things like that, that can give temporary relief. The the one that's proven in the literature, sort of as evidence-based medicine, is to wear a wrist brace when you sleep at night. The, the idea is that when we sleep, we get into positions that increase pressure in that tunnel even more. So a wrist brace puts the wrist at the best possible position to lessen pressure on the nerve while we sleep. Uh, so that's kind of our main non-operative treatment that we recommend. Because it's kind of amazing, and I've, I've heard this before, um, if you have some sort of pain or inflammation in your arm that doctors are, will always ask, will ask you, you know, do you, how do you sleep? Do you mm-hmm. t- tuck under yeah. your arm, under your pillow? Yeah. And you would never believe that it's when sleeping yeah. that causes problems with your arms. It's right. amazing. Yeah. Um, so the folks come into you and they, they are suffering from uh, pain, carpal tunnel, and, and you're looking at who are the ideal candidates for this clinical trial? What are you, what are you looking for? Sure. Yep. We, we sort of have a, a long list of exclusion criteria, meaning things that we, if you have any of these things, you can't be in the study. The main things are you have to be over the age of 18 and be able to Read and understand English because part of the study is that you have a pain diary. We'll be asking you to rate your pain as you take the pain medicine after surgery. And then that's used as a part of the, the research. You know, if you if you have chronic pain or on medicine for even Advil or ibuprofen long-term for arthritis, uh, unfortunately, that's an exclusion, part of one of the exclusion criteria. Um, other 
problems with that hand. So maybe we diagnose you with carpal tunnel syndrome, but you also have a tendonitis or thumb arthritis that needs surgery, then that would not Mm -hmm. be considered in the study. Yeah. And so you've got three, you need 50. Mm -hmm. Um, How long will it take you to fill out the ranks? That is a good question. (laughs) (laughs) I think going into this, we thought, oh, this will be no problem Mm -hmm. because we do lots and lots. I bet between the three hand surgeons, there are at least... 15 carpal tunnel release surgeries done a week. Wow, that's a lot. But there are so many, um, again, we're looking for some very specific things with inclusion criteria. Yeah. Um, We're talking with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford Orthopedic and Sports Medicine, and she is working on a clinical trial involving carpal tunnel surgery and opioids. So I get out of surgery. Um, uh, how, how painful is carpal tunnel surgery after you, after everything wears off? Is it excruciating? Is it, Yeah. I mean, what, what level of pain are we talking about here? The first day or two, you're, you're pretty sore. Now I personally haven't had it, but based on all the people that I've talked to, it's those first few days that you're sore and, and usually take some form of pain medicine. There are a majority of patients that come in at their first visit after surgery, which is about two weeks later, and say, I haven't taken a pain pill for over a week. Wow. So it, it kind of, the, the pain of surgery wears off after a few days, and then what can happen is pain from overuse. And people think, oh, I'm feeling good, and they yeah. start doing too much too soon. But for the most part, it's not, um, it's, it's fairly quick recovery in that regard. And so... That is what makes it an ideal candidate at some measure for trying to figure out the effect of opioids or against other painkillers. Is that sure. right? Yep. That and the fact that the carpal tunnel surgery is the most common hand surgery we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if it is just a couple days, you know, no matter how bad the pain is, maybe just dulling it is enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something we talk about with the studies that we're not looking to get rid of all of the pain uh, with the pain medicine, but to make it tolerable. Have we become just big old weenies? That would be one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we can't tolerate pain. So if the opioid's available, we take it. Right. And and there's been uh, research in the hand surgery world specifically looking at how we treat pain and hand problems in the U.S. compared to even Europe where or, or Canada where people are not prescribed opioids for a hand fracture mm-hmm. or a leg fracture. Mm-hmm. They're told to take Advil and Tylenol. And, and that's what they get. Gut yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're here with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford Sports and Orthopedic Medicine. I always, I always get, I flip those around. It's Sanford it's Sports okay. and Orthopedic, not Sanford nope. Orthopedic You're and Sports. Close. Nope. Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. There you go. Sanford, because orthopedics and sports medicine are really two different things in large measure. Yep. Got and it. we have several that specialize in sports medicine specifically. Sanford Orthopedics. And sports medicine. You got it. We're going to come right back after this break and talk more about pain. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four forty-five on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO, and we're returning to our conversation with Vanessa Smith. She is a physician assistant with Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. See how I did that? You got it. Yeah, I got it now. <laughs> got it, it only takes three segments for me to get the uh, title and the and the uh, name of the institution right. But no, we're there. We made it. It's Sanford. Um, we've been talking about carpal tunnel and pain in a clinical trial that you are involved with. Uh, so 
let's let's talk about pain and you are trying to Sanford as a whole has been trying to reduce the amount of opioids used and I think probably uh, medical institutions nationwide have been trying to do this but you've had some success over at Sanford in trying to reduce that um, do you think that you can find a that there is a level where you use opioids that aren't that doesn't make them addictive you know what I mean? I know that's a probably no, a technical question that there's definitely a role for opioids, definitely. Uh what we're trying to understand better as a medical community is what is that role and to what extent, you know, after um you know for for cancer patients, it's a it for some people and the pain that goes along with the side effects from all the medications and surgeries, that may be a long-term thing or other people who have had severe um, neck injuries or trauma uh, from a car accident or who knows what, there are definitely rules for opioid medicine. Uh, what Sanford is doing, one of the things they've done in the past uh, year or two is create a stewardship, opioid stewardship committee. And um, they have rolled out several uh, online uh, learning modules for all providers that were required to take. I know that they've interacted personally with providers who have uh, patients that may be on a high dose of, of, of opioid pain medicine to try to work with them, to work with the patient, to kind of start to wean them off. Because more and more we're finding out the risks of chronic use, uh, the risks of uh, misuse and abuse of these medications, and not just by the people who are taking them, but when they fall into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. That... We've had to, the doctors and every pharmacist and everybody has had to readjust how they were trained, readjust their thinking from when they got out of med school or what have you, and how these drugs were used to today. Yes. Yep. And it, and I think it's been well established that we, we kind of encountered this problem started when pain was listed as the, the fifth vital sign. That we started asking every single patient, what is your pain on a scale of one to 10 and asking people to, to name that. And then it was for, for a while, it was on us, the, the medical providers to get their pain to a three or less. Mm -hmm. And, and so that a lot has changed with that. But then, uh, as time goes on too, for providers to understand the risks of prescribing boatloads of of opioids when they're not necessary. So yeah. one thing we're doing in orthopedics specifically is looking at, well, how much is necessary? So separate from this study, we've already uh, gathered some data just within our hand surgery department. How many opioid um, or pain medicine uh, do, do patients use after a, a wrist fracture surgery mm-hmm. or after a finger surgery? And gathered some data for three months to say, oh, we're prescribing 20 and they take two or four. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we've been able to cut down on how much we're prescribing, thus cutting down on leftovers that have p- more potential for misuse. Yeah, it used abuse. to be very common for people to have leftover pain meds. Yeah. Because they just weren't pay- in pain anymore. They just kept them around. And Correct. And then their kids find them and grind them up and snort them or whatever. Mm. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's bad stuff, right? So yes. if you can give them less and if they need more, they can come back, right? right. I think and, that's been one yeah. of the big lessons. Just give them less to begin with. Right. And it, and that's definitely, and, and one thing that has helped that is e-prescribing where we use our fingerprint mm-hmm. through the computer to say, yes, this prescription is valid. And that 
goes electronically through the computer to the pharmacy. So you don't have, uh, going back to your clinical trial for a second, sure. you don't have any like hard end date here or what's the timeline? No, I think we're, we'll just keep going until we get the, the 50 participants that we're hoping for. And once somebody's in, how long are they in? The actual, the research part of it is just the first week after surgery. Oh, and then so you're that's done. not bad. Yeah, there's no more frequent follow-up visits or other things. It just is that first week after surgery, we're asking you to kind of keep track of your pain. Um, we give some specific instructions on how to take the pain medicine. It's not that we're not going to have things for you, um, but just you're, you're kind of feeling out what is my pain like and how much pain medicine do I need for it. So uh, if I'm in the trial, I don't know what I get. You don't know what you get. We don't know what you get. Only the pharmacist does. So that's the blinded part of the study. Mm -hmm. um, but again, all three of these medications, hydrocodone, acetaminophen, and ibuprofen, have all been proven to address pain by themselves. So it's not that you're not going to have pain that goes unnoticed or mm -hmm. not addressed, um, but it's a matter of taking them and taking them when you need them. It's got to be hard to figure out, too, because even... After you separate them into two groups, so you have a blind, and some people just have a higher th threshold for pain, or they, they yep. so how it's going to be very difficult. It would, I would seem to me, to figure out. Well, was that just because that person is tough? Oh, you know, to use a terrible word, right? So based on the dose of the of the medications and how they we normally prescribe them, we have some pretty pretty simple guidelines about taking them no more than four times a day. And you can take them as close together as every four hours. Mm -hmm. And so people who have a lot of pain that they're after surgery, that there are options to take it. But if you're not having pain, then you don't have to take it four times that day. And so we get into some of those details and we put it together uh, quite simply so that the patient can understand and it's easy to do. It's not complicated once we get into the study. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Um, if people have, again, are, are interested in, in either carpal tunnel pain or and the possibility of being involved in the study, if people just want to be part of it and they are going to get surgery anyway, how do they get a hold of you guys? Sure. Our phone number is 605-328-2663. And we'll try and get that up on the P. Lally Show Twitter feed as well. And, you know, you can probably find it by Googling Sanford Carpal Ortho. Tunnel and pain. Yep. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. There are so many ways to find you these days. Yep. Um, Vanessa Smith, uh, she is a physician's assistant. Oh, see, I did it again. Physician assistant. Let this be a lesson to all you people out there, okay? The folks that are in this particular profession are physician assistants, yes. not physician's assistants. As it was just pointed out to me, they're not owned by the doctors. So physician assistant, Vanessa Smith, yeah. she is with Sanford Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, uh, working on a clinical trial through the FDA, only three places in the whole country, right? Correct. Yep. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, uh, trying to figure out how not to give you, uh, get you all hooked on opioids. I think that's a good thing. Vanessa, thanks for coming in today. Thank I really you. appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.